despite drilling holes could not recapture it. You're listening to the news on RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Good morning. It's Monday and the final day of the month, 31st of October. The time's 8.03, which means this is Money Talk on Radio 3. I'm Peter Lewis with the day's business and finance headlines. The International Monetary Fund on Friday said China's economic slowdown is expected to drag on growth across Asia until the end of next year. In a new report... The IMF downgraded the growth forecast for Asia to 4% this year, down 0.9 percentage points from its previous outlook in April. The U.S. Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, which is the Federal Reserve's preferred gauge of inflation, increased half a percent in September from the previous month, the same pace as in August, and 5.1% from a year ago, up from the prior 4.9%. Whilst the figures remain stubbornly high, they were mostly in line with expectations. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Alex Wong, Director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and then telling us about the Global Financial Leaders Investment Summit is Daryl Chan, Deputy Chief Executive Officer at the Hong Kong Monetary Authority. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. U.S. stocks closed higher for a second week despite a slump in mega-cap technology names. The S&P 500 added 2.5% to close at 3,901, taking its weekly gain to 4%. The Dow was the big outperformer, soaring 829 points, or 2.6%, to 32,862, and it's on track for the best month since 1976. The Nasdaq Composite ended up 2.9% to close at 11,102 for a weekly gain of 2.2%. Hong Kong shares resumed their sell-off on Friday, capping a glooming week for the local market. The Hang Seng Index tumbled 565 points, or 3.7%, to 14,863. That's the lowest level since the 27th of April 2009. For the week, the Hang Seng is down 8.3% and 36.5% for 2022 so far. The Hang Seng China Enterprises Index of mainland companies listed in the city dropped 8.9%. That's the worst ever five-day loss following any party congress since the gauge's inception in 1994. In the currency markets, the US dollar index fell for a second week. The offshore yuan saw its biggest daily rise in history last week, but by the end of the week, the yuan closed weaker against the dollar, and this morning, it's at 7.27 and a half. And looking around Asia-Pacific stock markets, as they open up in Australia, the SX200 up about 1.1%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 has risen 1.6%. The Cosby right now up 1.1%. And looks like we're going to get a rebound in the Hang Seng this morning of about... 150 points, which will take it back above the 15,000 level um, and when trading gets going in about an hour and a half's time. Time's 
807. Let's welcome our Monday morning guest, Alex Wong, director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management Company. Morning, Alex. Hey, morning, Peter. So as we heard there earlier, uh, U.S. stocks, uh, uh, sorry, China markets had a pretty bad week. We saw the S&P 500 in the U.S. rally 4% and the Dow by almost 6%. By contrast, the Hang Seng in Hong Kong tumbled 8.3%. The H-share index plunged almost 9% on a weekly basis. How do you explain such a massive underperformance of Hong Kong-listed stocks? Well, I think uh, this is due, um, due to the confidence uh, in the longer-term outlook in China uh, corporates. Uh, because um, um, last week, actually, uh, probably there, there was not fresh bad news but the lack of uh, fresh good news and lack of a positive catalyst so I think uh, some foreign investors are still withdrawing their funds from Hong Kong so that's why we are we have underperformed so much and have foreign investors have they lost confidence in the China markets and the, and the Chinese economy I think that they need to see some really positive catalyst to turn things around uh, otherwise I think uh, people probably may still feel it is too early to, to jump in here Mm. Is, is this a sort of, are, are we getting to a sort of a final climatic selling? Are we now at sort of peak fear, which often in hindsight, it turns out to be a good time to buy? Hopefully, uh, hopefully so, I think, uh, because uh, last week uh, there was no fresh, uh, really fresh uh, bad news. But uh, this is a really a uh, very depressed market sentiment. So, um, and, and, the, and the selling actually accelerated. So this is a, uh, probably some self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, when the selling gets uh, uh, faster and, and people get, uh, people, people actually that uh, so more. So I think, uh, Probably we put, maybe we are poaching a short-term bottom soon at least because uh, right now um, even uh, other markets are, are now showing some positive signs. So hopefully Hong Kong probably uh, would be bottoming soon. Um, it looks very cheap, doesn't it? If you look at the, the Hang Seng Index, it, it's trading at a record 40% discount to book value. Is it, is it cheap enough now? Uh, this is quite cheap. Uh, I think that people are still worried about the um, the, the book uh, of uh, many uh, Chinese firms. So um, mm. they probably are putting a, a deep discount uh, on the book because uh, probably they think uh, uh, they, their book actually had to uh, write off more uh, in the future. So that's why I think uh, as you are trading at uh, so low valuation. But anyway, I think uh, uh, sentiment actually is, is, is so bearish. So um, And also selling is so, so fast last week. So probably we would be bottoming soon. But uh, if you look at the book, uh, and especially right now, um, we have uh, so many new economy stocks uh, adding into the index. So um, this kind of valuation actually is quite true. And are you tempted to buy at these sort of levels? Uh, I will not buy aggressively uh, because if you are trying to um, buy at try to guess the bottom actually uh, you you have to have have the uh, pain tolerance so uh, i know that i'm not i cannot tolerate too much so i would be buying slowly is, is there anything that would turn you into an aggressive buyer is there something that you need to see that would make you change your mind i think the latest uh, the, the, the fastest change in uh chinese catalyst would be the COVID restrictions in china so mm. i think that that is probably would be the fastest ones uh, to change the thing is, it's not just Chinese stocks that are being sold, is it? It's basically yuan investments uh, in general. Foreign investors have also been a big seller uh, of yuan-denominated bonds. Um, according to the, uh, the, clearing, the, the clearinghouse, uh, the amount of uh, government bonds and, and yuan-denominated debts dropped to the lowest since December 2020. Is, is this sort of suggesting that maybe foreign investors have just lost confidence in Chinese assets in general? Yes, uh, and, and because I think uh, the, the point is uh, RMB actually is weakening 
and I've, uh, there's no signs that uh, this uh, this short-term trend will change. So um, that's why mm. I think people are dumping uh, Chinese uh, run the denominated uh, assets. And what about the U.S.? What's behind this big rebound in U.S. stocks over the past two weeks, which in many ways is is quite surprising, given that the yep. Fed is still on the warpath. It's going to raise interest rates, and we and we've seen this route in the tech sector. So the fangs are no longer con- contributing to this rally. Yeah, actually, the, I think the people are looking towards uh, 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 the future earnings in many corporates. Uh, this is the results uh, uh, season, and I think people are quite bullish on uh, several industries like defense, uh, healthcare, and also packaged food. So mm. uh, they are switching into some resections, uh, uh, resistant uh, industries. So uh, this is um, uh, a re- really uh, big reshuffling of the portfolio, and I think uh, this is results-driven uh, on certain uh, sectors. Uh, this is quite surprising because of mega attacks actually all tumbled except mm-hmm. uh, Apple. So um, the market actually rallied with the participations of uh, the, the most uh, valuable companies in the US. And is that why we're seeing the Dow outperforming? Because it has got a lot of those sort of old-fashioned sort of resilient companies in it, hasn't it? Like Caterpillar and, and others. McDonald's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably uh, in the short term people will still be uh, focusing on those industries. Uh, like I've said, uh, healthcare, defense, packaged foods. I think uh, people are going towards those kind of companies and mega tax property was still underperformed because I think uh, people uh, would think uh, their room for growth actually is limited uh, mm. even in a recession period because uh, in the past uh, probably people think uh, they the big, the mega company sector would benefit from a recession but uh, this time I think uh, people think uh, their room of growth will be fairly limited so uh, that's why uh, they probably have a peak room for peak growth already so I think uh, uh, if you want to invest in the US I think uh, mega tech will not be the good choice Mm. And, and U.S. investors were, were pricing in last week an imminent sort of Fed pivot. In other words, a slowing mm. of the pace of interest rate increases after their meeting this week. Are they right to do that? Uh, still uh, probably too early because data are not suggesting. But we are seeing um, quite a uh, bit slowdown in the housing market over there. So that probably would be the uh, uh, first sign. But employment market remains strong and uh, invasion data remains strong. So um, this is a bit too early. But uh, the, the, the housing market slowdown actually would be the first sign. And, and what about the impact of the strong dollar um, on earnings? We are seeing earnings expectations come down quite a lot now, aren't they? They're about 2.5%. Uh, for this quarter, uh, for the last quarter, which is down from a forecast of almost 10%. Is is this a sign that interest rate rises are slowing uh, the economy um, and the dollar is also eating into earnings, the strong dollar? Yeah, strong dollar, of course, would be eating into earnings, but this is uh, already um, uh, factored in, I think. Uh, And I think that people would avoid, um, still still they would avoid those companies with uh, most of their earnings in overseas. But uh, if the business focus more in the U.S., actually that would be uh, not affected too much. So we are seeing a very polarized market. People are more interested in U.S. Uh, uh, local companies right now. And uh, we're fairly likely it would not, not affect the index too much. Uh, but the dollar actually remains uh, quite strong. The correction actually is um, much, shallower, much shallower than expected. So uh, I think the strong dollar impact would still be there. And probably that means the emerging, market, uh, emerging stock market actually would still be underperforming. Alex, thanks very much indeed. That's Alex Wong, director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management Company. Money talk on RTHK Radio.
The Times 8.15, the CEOs of some of the world's leading banks, including Goldman Sachs, HSBC, Standard Chartered and UBS, have gathered in Hong Kong to attend the Global Financial Leaders Investment Summit, which starts tomorrow and continues through Thursday. Around 200 financial leaders from more than 100 institutions are here in a collective endorsement of the city's appeal as a global financial centre, according to the organiser of the forum, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority. Joining me now in our Queensway studio is Daryl Chan, Deputy Chief Executive Officer of the Hong Kong Monetary Authority. Good morning, Mr Chan, and thank you for joining Money Talk. Good morning, Peter, and thank you for having me. Well, first of all, Mr Chan, congratulations on organising a forum that's got more than 200 executives from global financial institutions gathered in Hong Kong. That's quite, a, quite an achievement. Could you tell us more about what we can expect from the summit and who will be attending? Um, thank you. I think you've uh, already uh, given a pretty good outline of what um, the lineup. Uh, it's actually a very strong lineup, as we say it. Uh, we have um, over a hundred um, global financial institutions joining us, and uh, more than two hundred participants. And actually, thirty more than thirty of these uh, financial leaders are from the leading global financial institutions, uh, from their CEOs or uh, their chairman. I, I think so. It's, in a way, it's very encouraging that we are a very strong lineup uh, of our guests. Um, I think the um, key thing here is to um, uh, reconnect. Uh, now, Hong Kong as a global uh, business and financial hub, um, I think connectivity or global connectivity um, is so important that um, it underpins the success uh, of Hong Kong. And Unfortunately, I think because of COVID in the past three years, uh, many of these leaders have not been able to set foot in, in Hong Kong. And Hong Kong being a very important contributor to their um, revenue and profit, uh, not just for Hong Kong, but also uh, because Hong Kong is the regional head uh, headquarters and we are also overseeing the business in uh, Asia Pacific region. So I think there's every reason for them to actually come to Hong Kong to see what's really happening here and more importantly, connect with their staff and connect with their clients. Uh, I think this is very important and we're very happy that we have this opportunity to welcome back, them back to Hong Kong and do all this business and see for themselves uh, actually what's happening. Uh, and of course, I, I think apart from being here, uh, the substance or the content that we're going to cover uh, at the summit uh, is quite substantial. We can talk more about that later on. But uh, mm -hmm. in general, I, I think we're very encouraged uh, by the very strong lineup of these financial leaders. And definitely that's uh, also a very uh, a, a strong uh, vote of confidence in Hong Kong, in our potential and in our future. It is indeed a good vote of confidence. And what special arrangements have you given them uh, with regards to COVID? You mentioned the COVID uh, restrictions that have damaged Hong Kong, but have you had to give special exemptions to the participants? Um, Actually, a couple of months back, when we started preparing for the summit, uh, we were a bit concerned, uh, given the then prevailing uh, control measures, um, either it's travel restrictions or, or the quarantine arrangements. But in the past couple of months, as Hong Kong gradually reopened and then we are winding down on our control measures, actually this time round, we do not um, really need to provide too much of uh, so-called uh, 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 facilitation or uh, relaxation. Uh, but of course, uh, these are all PCP people. They can't afford to stay here for too mm. long. So 
um, we need to make a little bit of uh, f uh, flexibility for them while they stay here in Congo. So some example would be like um, they during the uh, three-day uh, medical surveillance period, uh, they would be able to have meals uh, with the clients, mm -hmm. with their staff, and they would be able to enter some of the venues that are subject to active checking. But honestly, these are uh, uh, essential activities that they will under need to undertake while in Hong Kong to make best use of their time here. But in general, um, the, all the other arrangements are pretty much um, similar to what uh, the prevailing um, control measures are. For example, they will have to undertake a pre-arrival test, on-arrival test, and during the medical surveillance period, uh, they will have to undergo a COVID test as well. Um, so basically, we are adopting um, the prevailing um, uh, control measures to mitigate the risk uh, of infection. How, how important is it then that these relaxed restrictions that, that we've applied to the guests who are coming uh, to the conference are applied as quickly mm -hmm. as possible to Hong Kong residents and basically to everyone who wants to come to Hong Kong and help the SAR's economy recover. Um, I, I think the government is definitely taking account of the need to strike the balance between economic development and the need to uh, control the pandemic. And the good thing is, in the past couple of months, we are actually seeing a very positive development uh, in a relaxing and reopening um, to the um, rest of the world. That's very encouraging. And uh, we just hope that uh, we will continue with that direction, uh, balancing uh, development and the need uh, to control the uh, pandemic, uh, but I'm sure that uh, we'll be in the right track. And, and what are the themes of the summit? Uh, actually, it's quite substantive um, and, and pertinent. Um, so uh, there are a couple of things that we will cover uh, at the summit. Uh, first and foremost is about um, what uh, China's economic development will be like, their challenges, their opportunities. So we will be inviting um, a few uh, financial regulators in the mainland to talk about how they see um, the f development of the mainland, in particular now after the 20th Party Congress, uh, how they see they continue with um, the market uh, opening and reform, uh, how they see um, uh, the policy response to some of the areas or sectors that uh, investors may have concern about. Um, so that, that's uh, one part of the, uh, uh, the summit. And then uh, at a more global level, we will be looking at a lot of other uh, pertinent issues uh, that the global uh, financial sector is actually uh, very concerned about um, in the short term as well as trends that we need to pay a particular attention to in the longer term. So this will involve the short-term uncertainties. We'll be talking about the risk of uh, stagflation, um, the tightening monetary conditions, and, um, and then in the longer term, we'll be talking about uh, technology and sustainability issues that will actually have huge impacts on uh, how uh, uh, the financial system will function um, in the longer term. Um, actually, there's a lot of things for us to cover. Mm -hmm. And because of the overwhelming response, we are actually adding a new uh, session about investment. So we're talking about how different types of investment firms will 
position themselves in such challenging times. So we'll be having funds, uh, uh, PE firms, uh, hedge funds to talk about their investment strategy. Um, so that will be actually a very, very substantive uh, program that we're going to cover. We're seeing a lot of uncertainty at the moment in the markets. We were talking about that um, earlier. Um, can the financial system absorb this really large rate rise, that we're, the rate increases that we're seeing without something breaking? Because we saw that in the UK in the past months when some pension funds came close to insolvency. We saw it in the global financial crisis. Are, are the markets here, despite the big falls, are you confident that they're functioning normally, the local financial system is resilient and robust enough to cope with all this turmoil? Um, I think um, Hong Kong's financial system, as you said, is uh, robust and resilient. Um, and that has to do with all the buffer that we have built up over the years. Uh, Post-Asian financial crisis, there were actually a lot of reforms that we undertaken uh, in terms of legislation regulatory. But we also put in place a very robust uh, monitoring and surveillance system uh, across the markets. Um, so far, I think all the indicators are telling us that uh, it's still a very resilient system with lots of buffers. Um, so financial stability, I, I think that's something that uh, we will need to pay a lot of attention to, continue to monitor closely, but uh, I'm confident uh, that uh, we, are, uh, we should be able to, ha to, to handle. The other things that you've just mentioned, I think they're worrying in terms of the um, uh, global um, economic growth uh, and, and the uh, tightening monetary uh, conditions uh, that will impact on the growth aspect. Um, so that is something that, as I said, uh, one of the issues uh, that many of our summit participants uh, will be able to share their thoughts, their insight mm -hmm. on, and we're very re re much uh, looking forward uh, to um, their, their insights. And one of the themes you mentioned is sustainable um, finance. This is an area really, isn't it, where Hong Kong has a real opportunity to, to shine and, and outperform and be a regional and also a global uh, center for sustainable finance and connect uh, with the, Hong, uh, the mainland China markets as well um, in doing things like trading carbon credits and so on. What mm -hmm. do you see as the opportunities there? Well, you're spot on. I, I think um, we have a huge uh, potential and opportunities here. Um, now, for one thing, uh, mainland has already set very clear targets of um, uh, the so-called 30, uh, 60 uh, t uh, dual targets uh, for the uh, uh, emission um, uh, national agenda. So, uh, and there is requirement for lots of capital investment in that process just to transition to net zero. And in this process, I, I think Hong Kong can play a great role. Um, a couple of things that uh, we can contribute. Uh, for example, in the capital markets, uh, we have been a major platform for mainland firms um, to raise capital, either in bonds, in equities. And uh, the way that we have propelled, uh, 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 promoting green finance is actually very uh, important to help them uh, green their whole financial system. For example, the disclosure requirements mandated by the stock exchange, that will have a huge impact on many of the uh, uh, mainland corporates uh, listed in, here in Hong Kong. And the fact that many of the um, uh, mainland corporates, they are also issuing green bonds or raising green capital in Hong Kong. Um, the way they do it actually they will have to align with international standards so that will 
also be an important uh, indicator of um, their willingness to actually subscribe to international standards and that will also certainly encourage more international global investors uh, investing in the mainland's green projects or their uh, uh, trans uh, transition efforts um, so and then uh, for example, uh, and then the other aspect is, is actually that efforts now go beyond just corporates. Uh, so just last week, we are seeing uh, new municipal uh, governments in the mainland coming to Hong Kong to raise green or blue capital. And, and I think this is just the beginning. We have still lots to come in the years to come. And, and the key to all of that working, of course, is uh, connectivity, connectivity with the mainland, connectivity uh, globally. Has Hong Kong now fully recovered from the pandemic and is Hong Kong uh, back to its full vibrancy and ready to reconnect with the international uh, business and financial community? I think we are doing exactly that. Uh, I could not say that we are 100% uh, back to normal, but uh, we are getting there. So what we are organizing at uh, the, the summit, um, I hope it's a strong message to the world that we are reopening. Just imagine there are so many heavyweights from the world of finance. So their presence here uh, would be a very strong testament uh, to the rest of the world that we are reopening. I, I think that's important. The uh, direction of travel uh, is important. And on the reopening, the CE announced in his policy address measures to attract talents, business and investment to Hong Kong. Um, we've seen more than 113,000 uh, residents, including many uh, expats. They've, they've left Hong Kong in the 12 months through June. Why should talent return to Hong Kong or, or come to Hong Kong for the first time? Could you give us a bit of a sense of how we get those people back? Um, I think uh, talent will look for opportunities and talent will look to a place where they find that the um, living style is really good. And for Hong Kong, I think we definitely got both. Um, now, despite the COVID and all the travel restrictions, I think the fundamentals here in Hong Kong are still very strong. We have very robust economic system. Um, and then the growth prospect in particular is also very encouraging. So um, I, I do think that uh, we just keep on doing what we're very strong at. And as we reopen, then definitely uh, people will come back. And talking about lifestyle, I, I think uh, Hong Kong is definitely uh, one of the best sports in Asia to offer a cosmopolitan international um, environment uh, for people from um, uh, all over the world. And I would believe that actually we are very welcoming cities to people from other parts of the world, whether they're from the mainland or from overseas. This is a place they can actually work and live uh, happily not, uh, with their family. So uh, I'm pretty confident. I mean, when things are gradually uh, uh, back to normal, then we'll, we'll be able to to see more people coming back. Are you seeing signs that people are coming back already, particularly in the financial sector? Well, I think so. Um, in the um, in the height of COVID, then because of the travel restriction and everything, we did see some signs of people having to uh, uh, relocate temporarily uh, because they have the regional business that they have to look after and they need to travel within the region. But now with the more relaxation, we're actually we are seeing people coming back and many of these financial institutions are telling us that, okay, they are actually many of their staff that are temporarily relocated, they are now coming back. So um, I, I think it's a good sign. 
And, and where will this goal, we've got this goal of bringing in 35,000 talented people every year, uh, where is it going to come from? Um, I... I, I think that it would have to come uh, from uh, for, for different sectors. Now, for example, even if we look at the financial sector, it's not just finance as such. But uh, apart from people working in financial institution, we also need all uh, all sorts of uh, supporting services, um, uh, professional services, for example, accounting, legal, uh, and then in the green uh, finance field, for example, we also need people to have the knowledge about the environment, uh, about green finance. Um, so. I think um, it's a, a lot of a different kind of talent that we need. And of course, I'm just talking about uh, finance. And I, I think the government has laid out a pretty uh, ambitious agenda in uh, redeveloping uh, Hong Kong's economy. So I, I do expect that um, uh, we should be looking at all sorts of talents, uh, not just finance. Well, Mr. Chang, good luck with the Investment Summit this week. And thank you for joining me on Money Talk this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's Daryl Chan, Deputy Chief Executive Officer at the Hong Kong Monetary Authority. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this week in Australia right now. The SX200 up just over 1%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 moving further ahead now this morning. It's uh, up about one and a third of a percent. The Cosby in South Korea uh, has gained 0.6%. And also looks like the Hang Seng is going to open to the upside, about 150 points firmer, which will put it just back above the 15,000 level when trading gets going this morning. Thank you very much for listening to Money Talk this morning. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Coming up after the news is Back Chat with Danny Gittings and Mike Rouse. The weather forecast, dry with sunny periods, maximum temperature around 28 degrees. It's going to be windy and some swells in the next couple of days, cooler with showers on Tuesday and Wednesday. The standby signal number one is in force. There is also a red fire danger warning in, in effect. And it's 24 degrees, 52% relative humidity. Just gone 8.32. Here's Ben Che with the Half Hour News. Distraught relatives in Seoul have been visiting hospitals and a missing person centre searching for people who may have been injured or killed in a crush on Saturday that killed at least 153 people celebrating Halloween. Four Chinese nationals are among the dead. Meanwhile, police in Hong Kong urge revelers who plan to celebrate Halloween in Lang Fong tonight to avoid gathering on steep slopes and steps in the area and vow to step up crowd control measures. An assistant police commander for Central Chow Wing Yi said police want everyone to enjoy the celebration safely. We will implement one-way pedestrian flow. Everyone knows that in Lan Kwai Fong, there are many steep slopes and stairs. To avoid danger, we hope people won't stay or gather at these places for too long. Epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling says he doesn't think it'll make much difference to the city if COVID travel restrictions are dropped, such as the testing of arrivals and restrictions on their movements in the first few days. Hong Kong's daily COVID caseload has hovered around the 5,000 mark for weeks. Professor Cowling from the University of Hong Kong told RTHK that travel measures were only critical for countries trying to stay at zero cases, such as Macau and the mainland. In Hong Kong, we've got 5,000 cases a day. Travel measures are not critical to us. They really don't do much. 
except cause disruption and cause enormous cost actually to the city. So I don't think there's a risk associated with stopping the on-arrival testing or the, the post-arrival testing. And I don't think there's really any risk associated with dropping any of the other travel-related measures in Hong Kong. And I don't understand what the idea is about what these measures are stopping from happening. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your guest presenter this morning is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Danny. In our main topic today, we're going to be talking about the illegal wildlife trade in Hong Kong ahead of Ocean Park Conservation Day this coming Saturday.